Kipling, a name you might remember. English novelist, short story writer, poet. Actually won the Nobel Prize in literature back in 1907. During his days, uh, he was the most popular writer in the English uh, Empire, United Kingdom. There's this old story that's been told and retold many times about Rudyard Kipling. It seems that on this occasion, he was approached by a reporter. And the reporter walked up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. Well, Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, really? I certainly was not aware of that. Reporter continued. He said, uh, look, here's a $100 bill. He pulled it out of his pocket. He said, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now give me one of your $100 words. Kipling took the dollar bill, excuse me, the $100 bill, took it, folded it up neatly, put it in his pocket, looked at the reporter and said, thanks. <laughs> I don't know if that witty response was simply a way of shutting up that reporter, or if maybe Kipling was actually offering uh, a valuable nugget of wisdom. I don't know what he intended, but it was a nugget of wisdom. From a biblical perspective, thanks offered to God is far more valuable than a $100 bill, or hundreds of dollars, or thousands. It's incalculable in its value. You see, expressing thanks to God is more than just you know, something we should do and we all realize it. It's something that is greater than just having a holiday where we say thank you. It's an everyday obligation. It's not a trivial thing at all. It's an important obligation and yet we so routinely neglect it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, every circumstance, and he uses the present tense, in every circumstance all the time. That's pretty comprehensive. Then in Ephesians 5, verse 18, we have the command to be filled with the Spirit, and then he gives us one of the results of that in verse 20, which is giving thanks always for all things. I'm not sure that any of us accomplish that all the time in every circumstance. I think we do a lot of neglecting in terms of our thanksgiving. 
All we need to do is take an honest look at our prayer life, our prayer list, and understand, well, yes, uh, maybe that's something we need to work on. Thanksgiving, wonderful time of the year. It's a great day to observe. There's great history behind it. But there's something more important, and that's rendering thanks to God every day of our life. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19 this morning. It'll be on screen, or you can turn there with me. But the point of this being included in the Scripture, I mean, it actually happened. This was something that happened in Jesus' life, late in his ministry, not, not far removed from his death. He was saying a lot of important things in Luke chapter 17 regarding the future. And then this happens. And Luke puts it here and, and emphasizes it here in the Scripture for this reason, I believe. Giving thanks to God is an important duty that must not be neglected. So we're forced to ask the question, well, uh, why is giving thanks to God so important? I think we can find three reasons in these verses why it is important, vitally important. Reason number one, giving thanks recognizes the goodness of God. In verse 11, we read, while he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. He was traveling from the north in Galilee to Jerusalem in the south. Samaria stands between. Jews normally went around it. He's passing very near to it, but perhaps through a part of it. Verse 12, and he entered a village. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. As they were going, they were cleansed. What we notice from this right off is that Jesus listens to their request. He has compassion on them. Now, they didn't stay far, uh, far off because they were ashamed of him or they were ashamed of themselves. That, that was stipulated by the law. They had to stand far away from people. It goes back to the book of Leviticus. And they had to announce that they had leprosy by saying, unclean, unclean, as they moved about so people would stay away from them. It's a highly infectious disease. And it was a fatal disease. There was no treatment for it. And there wasn't any treatment for it up until the 1800s, late 1800s, I think. And so in desperation, they call out to Jesus, have mercy on us, because they were hopeless otherwise. Did they have true saving faith? I, I don't know. Maybe so. But they at least had a desperate faith. Uh, a hope, a uh, hope against all odds that maybe this man who they'd heard about, maybe who uh, they had seen 
do something miraculous would, would and could help them. So they come to him. Jesus doesn't turn them away. He recognizes their need. He recognized some element of their faith in coming to him. And so he responds to that. Notice they say, Master, Jesus, Master. Don't read too much into that because the word master here just simply was a way that uh, anybody in authority was addressed. What they recognized as his authority, I don't know. Maybe they recognized him as someone who had authority over diseases or the ability to heal. Maybe that was it. They didn't call him Lord. They didn't fully understand probably who he was. But he has mercy upon them nonetheless. He responds to their needs. Their, their cry, Lord, have mercy, on to that, uh, have mercy on us, is equivalent to our prayers when we bring a need before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he invites us to do that. We should make all of our requests be made known unto God, as Paul tells us in Philippians 4. God delights in that. God wants to meet our needs. <clears throat> Yet he doesn't always answer every prayer that we pray. God knows the best, and God knows how he can use us best and in what circumstance and condition he can use us for his glory. So he doesn't answer every prayer. In this case, he chose to do this and uh, for his own glory and as a word to us. He cares about our needs. He cares about what we put before him. He listens, and we're never hopeless. He responds to our needs. In this case, it was leprosy, a bacterial infection that eats away at your skin and mucous membranes. It's still around today. There was over 200,000 cases of leprosy worldwide back in 2019. I don't have any more recent figures. Not a lot at all. With modern-day medicines, it can be controlled, it can be uh, alleviated. But in third-world countries where that uh, treatment is not uh, readily available, it's a problem. Like I mentioned earlier, it was uh, an incurable disease up into the 1800s. Quarantine was the only way they could deal with it. So those with leprosy, they had to keep themselves apart from everyone else. And it was these people that were outcasts that lived in lep leper colonies by themselves. No association with anybody. No, not valued by anybody. They were, they were in everybody's mind already dead. But Jesus hears and Jesus responds to their need. He says, go and show yourself to the priests. Why did he say that? Because in the Old Testament law, again, going back to Leviticus chapter 13, <clears throat> Those with leprosy, if they had it, had to remain apart from everybody else. They had to stay outside the camp, even as far back as the, in the days of the Exodus. And when they got better, in some cases it was not leprosy at all, it was something else. And if it went away, they had to go to a priest who would examine them and declare them clean and fit to enter back into society. So these were the outcasts. These were the people that Jesus, by his love and grace, had mercy on, and for no other reason. So giving thanks recognizes the goodness of God. 
And when we give thanks to God, what we're saying to everybody around is, God is good. God cares. God has compassion on me. God loves us. God will, will answer our prayers. God will meet our needs. It's that declaration. It's that recognition of his goodness that we make. But there's a second reason, a second reason why it is so important to give thanks all the time in every circumstance, and that is this. Giving thanks publicizes the greatness of God. Not only recognizes his goodness, but it publicizes his greatness. Now look at verse 15 with me. Verse 15 says, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. One out of the ten, on his way evidently to the priest, and that's questionable because he was a Samaritan. At least he left with the others, who seemed, seemingly at this point was obeying and doing what Jesus told them to do, go to the priest. And they had to leave. That was an act of faith at some level. They had to leave while being leprous and, and head toward the priest to get diagnosed. Uh, perhaps they thought, well, maybe it's not really leprosy, and the priest will tell me it's not. But it was something greater than that. As they were moving about, as they were traveling down the road, they happened to notice the leprosy is gone. The healing is complete. The damage is probably undone. And yet nine of them continue on to present themselves before the priest. Now, that was not a bad thing. They were being obedient. One of them returned to thank Jesus. That doesn't mean that he would not at some point perhaps do the same as the other nine were doing. But this man recognized the importance of rendering thanks to Jesus Christ. I think he actually realized at that moment who he was. To whatever degree he understood. I think he associated him with, with God, the Messiah. Perhaps he even recognized him as that. Oswald Sanders said this many years ago, he said, we used to think that the chief end of man was to glorify God. Now we're tempted to say that the chief end of God is to glorify man. <laughs> I think that's the difference between the one who came back and the nine who didn't. God's there to do for me. The one recognized, yes, God cares about me and meets my needs, but I'm here to glorify him. That's the difference in perspective. So he came... And it says, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned around, he came back, he made the effort to return, come into the presence of Jesus. By the way, he wasn't standing far off now. He was compelled to go right through the crowd, if there was, whatever crowd that was, and come to him and fall down at his feet. And the text says, glorifying God with a loud voice. It was a public giving of thanks. It was a public appreciation. It was a declaration to all, which brought glory to God. The glory simply means the appearance of God that people recognize and see and understand. That they could see and understand through what had happened to him. And so he makes that recognition 
affects public and, uh, and, and prominent. Let me suggest three ways that we can give thanks better. First of all, be specific. Don't just say, thank God. You know, well, that's okay. But if you really got something on your mind that you're thanking him for that initiated that response, say, thank God because he did this or because uh, he answered this prayer. Don't be shy about letting other people know what God has done for you. That's what this man did. So be specific. And, and render thanks publicly. Now, I know, uh, rendering thanks privately, that's, that's important. Not, not d diminishing the importance of that, but sometimes we do that, and that's great, and that's part of our relationship with God, but yet God is more greatly glorified when we publicize what he has done for us, when we give that testimony, when we make that statement. And sometimes it's before other believers who need to be encouraged and edified uh, uh, from hearing that, or it's before unbelievers who need to be pointed to the Savior. It's a tremendous witness. So be specific, make it public. And then number three, you might not think of this at first, make it permanent. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that when we say, thank you, God, it's something momentary on our lips. Of course, <laughs> Take Paul's uh, commands to heart, it's momentary, you know, pretty often, but it's a momentary expression that passes over our lips. So why not make your thanks known by writing someone a thank you note, email, text, expressing it? I, I, I'm telling you, over the years, I've gotten notes from people. Let's say thank you for this or that involving ministry. And I normally take, you know, oblig obligatory thank you notes, read them, say that's nice, and toss it. But when you get something that, like what I'm talking about, I, I don't toss it. I keep it laying on my desk. I, I refer to it quite often, at least for a while, because that's an encouragement to me. And it's something that brings glory to God. Uh, I read one uh, author who suggested keeping a thanksgiving journal. So when you have something you thank God for, write it down so you remember it again and come back to it uh, as a reminder. I think that's a great thing to do as well. So uh, do all you can to magnify the glory of God. So two reasons so far. Thanksgiving is an important obligation we must not neglect. Why? Number one, because Thanksgiving recognizes the goodness of God. Number two, Thanksgiving publicizes the greatness of God. But there's a third, and I believe this is the most important in terms of practicality for us uh, and, and what we receive back for doing it, I guess you would say. And that's this. Reason number three, giving thanks prioritizes our relationship with God. It prioritizes our relationship with God.
Look at verse 16. <clears throat> and he fell on his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, verse 15, we already read, he came back, uh, he's glorifying God with a loud voice. Verse 16 carries it a step further. He fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. Not just say, thank you, Lord, and got up. No, it's, it, it, he, was, he, he was just going on and on, which is what the present tense indicates here. So he falls at the feet of Jesus, he's giving thanks, and it says, and he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even Jewish. He would have been a, a, partly descended from the northern ten tribes that went into captivity because they, they were intermarried, intermixed. The, uh, the Assyrians brought in foreigners and took away uh, captives, and, and that's the way they did things to make sure that conquered people did not have an identity. The Samaritans did not worship at the temple in Jerusalem. They had their own place to worship. You remember the story of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, similar case. They, the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were seen as, uh, you know, no, no better than a Gentile. Now, that was wrong, but that was the perspective, the common perspective of their day. And so, the ten, the, of the ten, the nine who should have understood what they needed to do and how they should react, react selfishly. And the one who was farthest away from anything uh, akin to being in contact with God responds rightly. You see, thanksgiving, giving thanks to God is a relational priority. Just think about it. That's, just, that, that's easily to understand. I acknowledge my wife cooks good food a lot of times, and I take it for granted, and I don't say thanks. But, you know, I get around to it. <laughs> Sometime, part of the time at least. But what if, what if I never ever said thank you for anything that she did for me? And she does far more than just cook me something to eat, believe me. But if there's no expression of appreciation for that, there's no real relationship. Giving thanks is a relational priority. And the absence of thanksgiving demonstrates self-centeredness. That was the issue with the nine. They were focused on self. They were self-centered. This man fell on his feet before Jesus, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? That's like, not like he didn't know the answer. He's making a point. Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was not one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, that is to the Samaritan, 
And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, that wasn't news he needed to hear, right? He already knew that. I think it's a step forward. It's the same word in the Greek that could be read, stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. Even then, it could refer to saving him from leprosy, but there seems to be a step forward, and most commentators recognize that here. This man for sure had legitimate saving faith in Jesus Christ. The other nine, we don't know. Maybe they did, and they just didn't behave properly as a result. We don't know where they stood. What we do know is the nine were self-centered. You say, how so? Because they were more concerned with fulfilling the law than thanking the Lord. Because they were more interested in getting that proclamation that they were clean from the priest, they were more interested in restoring the other relationships with family and friends and, and entering back into the community than they were the relationship with the Lord. It was a matter that their priorities were wrong. They were focused on what I get out of this. They were not focused on a relationship with the one who enabled them to have that. You say, well, that's quite incredible. We would like to think that surely if that had happened to us, we would have been back there at the feet of Jesus. And I think probably we would. But society as a whole, it's just the same today as it was back then. And this is not today, but it's a lot closer than it was back then. 1860, September 8, Lake Michigan. A ship of the name of the Lady Elgin was floundering in the cold winter waters. Passengers were in the water. When one lifeguard, a man by the name of Edward Spencer, dove into the water and rescued a passenger, but he didn't stop there. He went back. He went back until he had rescued 17 passengers and brought them to shore. He was a student at Northwestern University. Because of his exposure to the extreme cold on that night, or at least that's what is credited with this, he, he was unable physically to continue his education. Years later, he was actually honored at Northwestern University for what he did. And he revealed at that time this, this uh, sad detail. He said of the 17 people that he had pulled out of the water, that not a single one had ever come back and looked him up and said, thank you. Because people are self-centered. There was no relationship that they desired, wanted, or attempted to have with the one who pulled them out of that icy water. Things haven't changed much. You see, giving thanks to God in its essence is an act of worship. Oh, we all understand that. He fell at his feet, giving him thanks. 
we give thanks every time we worship. The music, which, uh, the, the words, the lyrics, the presentation is all about giving glory to God, recognizing the goodness of God, publicizing the greatness of God. And our doing that reflects the relationship we have with him. Giving thanks is a relational priority. You know, there's all sorts of benefits to being thankful. You can go online and look up all the all you want to find. I mean, there's these sites uh, that deal with psychology and human behavior, especially this time of year, will have much on there. Here's one from uh, a lady named Amy Morin a licensed social worker and uh, psychotherapist. It's in psychologytoday.com. And she lists the whole, I'm just going to mention a few. Uh, for example, she says, according to a 2009 study published in the Journal of Psychosomatic Research, being thankful helps you sleep longer and feel better and wake up with more energy. <laughs> That's good. Another one. says so a 2010 study published in the Clinical Psychology Review says that gratitude has been linked to fewer toxic emotions like resentment and envy. Well, that's good. Here's another one. 2015 study published in Spirituality. Spirituality and Clinical Practice, I think, is the whole name of the group. And there they said it increased your immunity and produced a healthier heart. Here's another one. 2003 study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology found that college students who kept gratitude journals reported higher levels of alertness, enthusiasm, energy, and attentiveness compared to their counterparts. Another one, 2006 study, I won't give you all the details, but it, uh, this one uh, says that uh, you'll be able to endure hardships and suffering better than others who are unthankful. And then another study uh, found in research on aging says that older people who are grateful experience fewer harmful effects from stress. That's a pretty good array of stuff, right? God must have knew something when he said we should be thankful, right? Absolutely. You see, the presence of thanksgiving is important. I'm sure for all these reasons. But all those reasons are trivial compared to that personal relationship that it affords and prioritizes and facilitates and optimizes that relationship with the God of the universe, the Savior of our soul. That's what's really important. That's the only benefit we really need to keep in mind because it overshadows every other one. And so we see the importance of giving thanks to God. He recognizes his goodness. publicizes his greatness 
and prioritizes that relationship we have with him. Back in the 1990s, Pastor Jack Hinton traveled to the island of Tobago. I suppose it was probably a short-term mission effort. Pastor Hinton was leading the singing, the worship service in a leper colony. And after they worshiped for a while, he said, does anybody have a request, something you would like to sing? In response to this, a woman who was in the crowd but had never looked at him, had, had been turned away the entire time, turned and raised a hand with no fingers on it. Her face was horribly disfigured. I won't go into the details, but she was virtually unrecognizable due to the effects of leprosy. He recognized her and she said this, could we sing, count your many blessings? And they did. But at some point, Pastor Hinton was so overcome with emotion that he had to walk away. An associate, another minister followed him out and said, Jack, I guess, you'll, I, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. Jack looked at him and said, yes, I will. Yes, I will, but I'll never sing it the same way again. And you see, what this lady had was more than just what Jesus did for her, because <laughs> that would be hard to identify, perhaps. I'm sure she knew of something. But let's say, basically, materially, physically, but you see, God had done something for her, something far more valuable than curing her leprosy something far more important than anything available in this world. He saved her soul and entered into a relationship of her, with her, a relationship of love, a relationship of grace. And that is always reason to give thanks to God. It is the primary reason. It is the ultimate reason. If God has done nothing else for us, and yet he's done that, he's done all. And we owe him the worship of thanksgiving. And we owe him the recognition of all that he is and all that he's done, but primarily what he did when he saved our souls. We can all do that. We can do it all the time.
can do it in every circumstance. And that's what's most important.